Right, here we go. Welcome to Mosaic Community Church of Philadelphia's conversations about our Lenten study on Eddie Glaude Jr.'s book, Begin Again. Over the Lenten season, we met in small groups, affinity groups, and breakout groups to take the next steps in our anti-racism journey as a community. These conversations are from various community members on their experience with the study and how it's changed them or challenged them. And while the views and experience told here are not reflective of Mosaic's community as a whole, we recognize that the importance of being in community with others and being anti-racist stems from an acknowledgement that everyone brings different experiences to the table. We know that though our paths may all take different journeys, we converge on the idea that Black Lives Matter and that non-Black and Brown communities are in need of genuine, fierce, and loyal allyship. Mosaic Community Church in Philadelphia is an inclusive and affirming community who looks to Jesus' example to spread love and care for those around them. Please know that you may not agree or resonate with everything said in these conversations, and that's okay. All we ask is that you open your heart and your ears and listen. Okay, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you all. Um, my name is Jamie. I'm now uh, a long-time member of Mosaic Community Church and um, Angel has asked me to have a few interviews with some of our amazing congregation and we also have another guest as well from outside our church um, and we're going to be talking about a book that uh, Pastor Angel gave the church to read. Um, as part of our journey of becoming an anti-racist church, she felt that this material would be an excellent um, use just to sort of bring the church as a whole to one place where we can kind of understand um, the history of racism, um, the effects of racism, um, and um, you know, and how we can start moving on from that. And she found this amazing book by um, Eddie S. Glau Jr. And uh, it's called Begin Again. And it's basically about James Baldwin and his experiences, his writings um, and experiences when he was basically on his journey as a writer, um, as a... Um, civil rights and his later life as well and just seeing through his eyes what racism and um, white America was doing to um, people of color and um, and uh, the black community so um, that's what was going to be happening today um, I think I've done a few of these now I should be having my own theme music um, I don't know if Kennedy, you can do that right now. No, I'm kidding. Right. So um, anyway, without further, further ado, in fact, we have, I'd like to introduce my first uh, guest. Um, she's actually, I'm going to give her an introduction because we haven't had an, an official uh, introduction to her. Kennedy um, is our, um, new, she is our new um Director of Operations and Worship Coordinator. She came on in, um, I want to say, uh, earlier this year when she took over. 
and has done an incredible job. Now, you probably have recognized if you haven't come into contact with her uh, from her amazing worship-led uh, services. Um, and, you know, she's got an incredible voice too, which helps. Because uh, I don't think you want to hear like voices like mine singing and leading. Uh, that's why I'm a DJ. But, um, but yeah, she's done a, a brilliant job in taking over and, and, and really sort of bringing the church together over, you know, since we've been virtual and creating and, you know, newly um, visualizing what a church service online can be. And, and, you know, it's been so much more engaging and, and brilliant. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Kennedy. Hi. Hey, how thank you, you so much for that nice introduction. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much for, for, for coming on board and being part of our church. And, and, you know, it's probably like shepherding cats at times, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, we really appreciate your service and your dedication to producing amazing services to your worship led um, leading and, and also, you know, the incredible job of just overseeing the, the running, the general running of the church and assisting Pastor, you know, assisting Pastor Angel. And I know, you know, she constantly tells me that you're an incredible worker and it's just been a real blessing to have you so thank you and i know the yeah well thanks so much um i do have to give a small shout out i feel like i wouldn't have been able to step in quite so smoothly if not for the amazing work of jessica richardson and andrew richardson they really um held my hand at times and helped me like figure out all the many many things that happen behind the scenes so thank yeah. you to the richardsons uh, but yeah no we should we should never forget the richardsons i mean they've obviously done an incredible job um, when we first went virtual and obviously Jessica, you know, with, with uh, the running of the church, just, you know, I mean, I don't know where we'd be without her as well. So yeah, yeah we should give them a shout out too. Um, cool. So really let's, I think let's dive into the, 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 uh, the interview. Um, I think for those that don't know, um, we should probably just talk about the format of what the, the book exploration was. Um, so, you know, Pastor Angel obviously gave us these books, this book to read and um, as a church as a whole. And then we I think we had we had one discussion as a church as well, didn't we? We had a, a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Kind of discussed it and just how we've personally felt. And then from that, we broke into our affinity groups um, to discuss it on a more personal, deeper, um, impactful level. How, you know, um, this book, but also just how racism has affected each, you know, affinity group personally, um, and how this book can sort of, I don't want to say realign, but kind of just sort of, obviously we want to be an anti-racist church, but just sort of like reimagine what, what an anti-racist church can be, but also how what being anti-racist as, you know, for me personally, as a, as a, white you know cis male right and 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 you know so let's take it from there yeah so one of the um amazing things angel did in the very first group meeting when we were all together i think was we spent the entire hour and a half and 
if you're like me and have lived in the Zoom world for a year plus now, an hour and a half was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to talk about? Um, but that whole first hour and a half was just an introduction to each other, which I think was very important because we've got so many new folks and people who are living outside of Philadelphia who wanted to join. Um, I think you'll get to hear from one soon. Um, and one of the important questions of, besides like name, pronouns, what you do, et cetera, was Angel asked us to all tell our first memory or the first time we were really cognizant of our race. And I think for one, that was a, a really meaningful icebreaker type of question because um, one, it kind of let people like me who identify as POC kind of gauge what this situation was going to be like, because honestly, like, you never know walking into things like this, even the most well-meaning, well-meaning groups can just kind of surprise you in a bad way. But um, I, I think it was really good to be able to get that initial story and connect as humans um, in that way. And find the find the wavelength that we were all gonna ride. Um, yeah. One of my dear friends was saying, like, it's so hard and you rarely see organizations doing things like this correctly because a lot of times we approach things like this with the mindset of, well, let's get everybody on the same level and then we can progress into the deep stuff. But the way Pastor Angel kind of just dropped us in the deep end was great. And it's like, catch up or you know it gives it gives a little more grace for some people to to have a little more patience and some people need to hustle a little bit totally i, I mean i completely agree i think like coming to this our it's the, the key word for me is our experiences right and so we've all experienced this in very different ways and, and our awareness is completely different and gonna be you know so the, the, you know the, I mean, I've said this a number of times when I've spoken in church is that the key, the key thing is listening and just hearing each other. And then for it's the work inside us is to, to do the work or to do the thing. And so therefore it's not a question of catch up. Obviously it's like you say, it's, we got to hustle and we've got to, we've got to do the work. So I guess sort of moving from that, um, can you can you share with with the church um how, you know what you found most helpful or encouraging from the readings um from the group time yeah um so i think like the the main takeaway from readings and study materials and things um was the lie right that's if you read any summary or see any article written about this book they all talk about the lie and the lie being kind of this nationalistic sense of America is fundamentally good and innocent. Um, and I think um, acknowledging that is is really great and something that I've been thinking about as I've been processing and thinking about our times together and everything is that I am now more conscious of the lie, not only on a greater sense, but also how mosaic may become a microcosm propelling the lie a little bit like we have the potential doing this work now to kind of 
feel a little bit high and mighty, right? Like we're fundamentally good and innocent. Look at all these things we're doing. Um, but as like anything it, that can go, that's obviously um, not good. And we're, our efforts aren't necessarily fundamentally good and innocent. Like we will stumble, um, we will will disappoint our POC brothers and sisters. And um, that's that's one of my main takeaways right now is, is how moving forward, I've got that paradigm shift a little bit. That's cool. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I yeah. I think as a church as well, it's kind of like that question of like the struggle of, you know, oh, we're in a church and we're, we're doing okay and we're doing all this work, but it's like, I mean, you could almost like parallel it to, to, to our struggles with our faith, right? You know what I mean? Like you're kind of always like, oh, I'm going to church. I'm doing the exiting this box yes. and this box and this box. And you kind of get into this comfort zone, right? right? Of like, you're doing the work with your faith yeah and as we know it's the the job is never done right and so you know we can you've got it in order to move forward you just got to keep working at it right and i think that's where we see um a huge crossover between race and class issues happening is because we as americans are operating under a model of american capitalism and meritocracy like i've got this to do list um begin again group check donate to blah 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 like all of these things um and it just doesn't work like that totally so i guess then how how were you ch challenged personally in this was there anything that came up that really yeah. challenged you and kind of questioned things for you yeah so um to be frank i'm i'm very far from from being <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm very far from having everything processed and particularly um, well articulated. Um, my particular um, experience is uh, such that I'm a brown person who was adopted by white folks and essentially grew up white. And so um, a lot of times I think I have some like internalized trauma from that that manifests itself in that when I speak collectively, usually I'm placing myself in a category with white people. Right. Um, and I've been working hard over the past few years. Um, I feel like my my real like light bulb moment happened in college, honestly, um, when I got away from the people who'd known me for 20 years of my life. And I realized that other people don't necessarily see me as white. And if they do, it, like people who know me forever, or if people do see me as white, it's almost like a, well, you're just one of us type thing, or like, I don't notice you being brown because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, maybe you should. Um, is it kind of that, and I hate saying this, is that, you, you, did you get that, I don't see color from other people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a, that in a like, nuanced type of way. It's like that. Yeah. Right. Um, so, it's challenged me that way because I've been trying to balance like the idea that I have benefited greatly from white privilege and um, but on the other hand, I've been asked like, oh, are you a foreign exchange student with your white family here? Or like just things like that that would be so terrible any like 
it are so terrible. Um, yeah. So it's challenged me in those ways. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have so much work to do myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I'm sorry if you've experienced that sort of ignorance and, 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 and pain, I guess. And, but I'm glad that, you know, again, this is kind of opening things. I mean, and the trauma, you know, it's kind of could have, or is, you know, maybe processing with you as well. And yeah. I guess that could lead, I mean, this kind of obviously leads into my next question of, mm -hmm. in, in terms of like, begin again, how does the, this material, like the, the stuff that, you know, Eddie Glaude Jr. And, and, and James Baldwin kind of challenge the American church? Because I mean, James Baldwin himself, you know, set out to be a preacher. Right. And, 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 and obviously his experiences, particularly of the American church, you know, his father was obviously a, a well, sorry, his stepfather was a, um, was a preacher in a, in a church in Harlem. And, you know, and he, and he, I'm partly because of his sexuality, but also was challenged, you know, the, um, by the, by what the American church was and the hypocrisy of it. Um, and so, you know, I guess how, did you interpret that, you know, this from this book, um, challenge, you know, challenge your ideas of your, your experiences of church? Um, and, and, and you can, like we've, you've touched on it before, but with our church, you know, our, our local church community, how kind of did that impact you? Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned a little bit, I've talked a little bit before about like the American capitalism mindset and like a meritocracy and, so my, my hope and um, vision for how Mosaic moves forward is, um, is that we give ourselves grace, um, but we push ourselves really hard also. Um, so we give ourselves grace to know that uh, we're not gonna get there so soon, like it's a long journey. Um, but yeah, um, it when we were reading and studying, I thought of this quote by Florence Kennedy, who's a oh, has a great last name, but um, she was an American lawyer <laughs> and civil rights activist, feminist, all these things. And she has this awesome quote about freedom. It's freedom is like taking a bath. You have to do it every day. Um, and anti-racist work is like a bath. You have to do it every day. Um, so my, yeah, my hope for Mosaic is that we just keep doing it every day and we show up for each other and that we um, we put in the work that has to be done, the daily work. I think um, that actually <laughs> reminds me of Parker's uh, talk this past Sunday um about dailiness being one of the chords who parker is just just for a reference for oh yeah parker um is my husband so <laughs> yeah i mean you've seen him obviously do worship as well with you and he's got a great voice too so give That's him a shout on that <laughs> um but yeah i sorry you were saying about parker I, that was such a bad introduction no 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 it's okay um so he talked about daily the idea of dailiness versus heroism Right. Um, 
and how dailiness is one of like a, the strands of a three chord bond of anti-racist work. And so that quote kind of ties in, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we, we kind of talked about this with the materials, but like, um, you know, obviously when we're in our groups and sort of privacy, but like, was there anything from the discussions that kind of challenged you that people said, and then you went, oh, wow, that, you know, either touched you or, or, or really challenged you? Yeah. Um, in my, in the Asian affinity group, we met right around the time that the Atlanta murders were happening. And so it was um, extremely somber, as you might imagine. And I, I really loved hearing the, the four of our experiences juxtaposed because they're just so different. Sure. As, and I think it was um, just like an, an example of how everybody's experiences are so different. But uh, yeah, one, we talked about, um, I think a lot of our discussion was based around like the idea of Asians and Asian identifying folks being people of color. And I think that's so sad that that discussion even had to happen or that like I paused to think like, oh, do I do like what? Well, um, it's kind of crazy as well. You mentioned obviously Atlanta, the Atlanta murders, but it's like, what, again, this is my privilege, but it's like the hate that when, when an Asian person is attacked, it's not, it's not put down as a hate crime. Yeah. You know, and the, and the hurt that that, on. Yeah, exactly. So um, that I've just been challenged to think like how, I don't know, how can I help? I don't know, how, how can we help? How can anybody help um, without overstepping or without um, exerting privilege? Like so many times you help and this happens in like in spiritual ways too. Like you help to make yourself feel good, but what can you do um, that isn't like just trying to to make yourself feel good? No, sure. I think, and I, but I think also it's like you know, it's particularly for the for for the you know the people that identify as Asian, and I think. We're, we're, we're in a time where it's just like, you know, I don't want to say your voice has been, your, your voice has been so marginalized that it's kind of, we've taken for granted. And I mean, my, I know my experiences of my racism when it's come, you know, it was just ignorance from my part, my point of my part, you know, when I've said something that was just, it was, I mean, it wasn't in, in my head, it wasn't meant in any sense of thing but it was just like you know because people when they're marginalized they don't want to speak up or can't speak up you know because of you know my experience is completely different to yours and so therefore you know i think you saying help is like how can we help well i think particularly people of you know white who identify as white and we just need to stop and listen to you guys and just yeah. see and see you but you know and and hear you 
and so therefore I think you know obviously it's not about me and you know so I don't want to take it that, that yeah yeah but I think like from what you just said is like how can we help well I think you know it's you know particularly for the Asian community it's like we we need to sort of move in a way that incorporates everyone and not mm -hmm. you know the, yeah what we're going through yeah listening is good um yeah that just reminded me yes i do think listening is is key i think it's important to um to not <laughs> i'm gonna use something that like a phrase that totally dates me, I guess. Um, not put um, people of color on blast, if you're with me. Um, sure. uh, I remember um, in a class I took in college, we it was a class about race, class, and gender, and we were in the, a particular gender portion. Um, so I'll I'll use this to extrapolate, kind of make it less charged, I guess. But uh, the professor, who was a male said, well, I don't really know what it's like to be a female. So Kennedy, why don't you tell us your experience? It wasn't me in particular, it was a different student, but um, I think it's important that through all the initiatives and all the talk that's happening and that yes, voices like um, people who identify as white need to um, maybe listen much more than much more than they're speaking. Uh, but also know that people of color like don't really owe them an explanation or things, which I know you're, that's not what you're saying, but um, it no, just, no, 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 sure. I know, and you know, I, I've got, yes, you're right. I, I think it just, I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying at the beginning is like, we're all, our experience is different. And so therefore as white people, we need to like keep, working on it and sort of we need to go we need to go to people not people go to up come to us and, right right you know and and do the work there so I guess to sum everything up what how would you how I want to say how would you rate your experience like, <laughs> like, but like go on to Yelp but, like, <laughs> um, but yeah I mean how, I guess you know how what, what how did you feel about this experience of, of the whole church kind of coming together and, and doing this? Yeah, um, I I really loved it. And I loved that um, so many folks in Mosaic, whether or not they could make the meetings, I love that that's just the spirit of this community and um, something that is a natural um, follow through from, from the, the people and what kind of what our priorities are. I also really appreciate that um, Pastor Angel told uh, people of color that they weren't like um, they didn't have to show up if they didn't want to. Like, uh, I think um, obviously she gets it, which is which is great that it can be really, really draining and um, emotionally taxing um, to to do this work all the time. Um, so it, it was, but I again love that this community is making this space to happen and and not forcing this space either. No, I mean again, it's I think it's with trauma and especially you know with things that have been going on, like have been going on, 
and consistently. I mean, you know, as we record this, I just, you know, we've just obviously heard about the Minnesota shooting. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, we're right back to where we are again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just that trauma of what, you know, what it, what it is. And so, you know, and, 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 and again, it's like, this is why it's so, it's, I mean, it's just, you can't believe how important this work is. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's encouraging is this church. Again, it's not, we don't want to blow the trumpets, but it's like, you know, I think having these things really brings, hopefully, it le say levels playing field, but it brings things where it should be a little bit more. We can understand it, people's experiences, not necessarily mm -hmm. have the same experiences, because that's not what it's about, but it's we understand people's experiences a little better. Mm -hmm. And I guess, just to finish it off, I think that's partly what Jesus's teachings were. You know, he would listen, and then he would bring up and hear their experiences, and, and, and it wouldn't change anything. It would just bring us close him closer but them closer to him right <laughs> That's my son. sorry kennedy fletcher can you just pause the move? Okay. i knew that was gonna yeah happen. you're right he um to the tax collectors and sinners he wasn't like oh here's a, a some food i can donate to you he was like well let me come eat with you yeah right well kennedy thank you so much um I really appreciate you. Um, we, we, you know, we appreciate you as a church, all the work you do. And yes, she is. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my face into a kitten. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna get all the Zoom experiences here. So. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much, Jamie. Thank you so much, Kennedy. <laughs>